Hello, Husky fans! This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, Yukon, the podcast where we occasionally talk about hot sauce and occasionally talk about just some games that we'll never discuss again. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, we're I, I say I say it like that because we're, we're going to have a lot of uh, tough talk on this pod where uh, Tim is back uh, after a, a week off. And uh, Tim, uh, Yukon didn't have a great week this past week, huh? Did they? Uh, it wasn't a banner week, that's for sure, except if you are still reeling and over the moon excited about a pair of doggers that came out. So, uh, yeah, we were just talking off the air. So you got your hands on a pair of those, didn't you? Uh, I can't believe I did. It was, uh, it took me about three seconds to order them because I wasn't messing around. So thankfully I had, uh, Apple pay up on my phone ready to go. And if I hadn't, I would have been in a bad spot. Yeah. I mean, if you'd waited like like nine seconds, then you would have been out of luck. I mean, boy, yeah. you, you, you put those sad, that, you know, sad Husky on a pair of joggers and the internet just, you know, the internet's going to come for him. And they did. <laughs> it's just a <laughs> shout out to home field. Um, uh, how many people had a glass of hot sauce that they were drinking out of when they were ordering those? I wonder. Um, enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man. So yeah. So Tim, not, not, not a, other than, you know, the launch of the uh, greatest pair of joggers ever, not, not a great week for UConn <laughs> basketball. So, uh, since we last talked, uh, UConn has lost, uh, two games. Uh, they lost to St. John's last Monday, which was just an absolutely excruciating game. And, uh, on Saturday we saw UConn lose at Creighton, which, you know, if we're being honest, is kind of the result we all probably should have seen coming, but, you know, losing, having that follow the St. John's loss was, it puts UConn in a weird spot. So as of right now, UConn currently finds itself in fifth place in the Big East Conference. They are four and three in the league, seven and three overall. And if you kind of look at it closely, they're not really in a bad spot. So you got Villanova, who's five and zero, when we're recording this. They're kind of in the the driver's seat. Creighton seven and three in the conference. So you know. The same, you know, hey, they're tied in the loss column. So, I mean, you know, UConn wins a couple more games and, you know, you got that covered. Seton Hall is 6-3 and three in the conference. Xavier is 3-2. and two. You know, then you have UConn 4-3 and three, and everybody else below them has five losses in the conference already. So, the, you know, plenty of time for UConn to kind of right the ship. And right now it's really just it seems like they just got to survive until they start getting their reinforcements. Uh, you know, James Booknight, based on the latest reports, is like it's looking like it's going to be four to six weeks from either when the injury happened or from when he had surgery. Not totally clear on that, but likely, certainly, at least another two weeks before we see him. Uh, Andre Jackson, we will we'll see him sooner. We might see him this week. It could be a little longer. And a cook is just we'll just have to see. <laughs> I really don't know what to expect out of him this year. So. Uh, Tim, just I guess just to start off, kind of how do you feel about where UConn is right now as we stand here on Monday night, looking ahead to tomorrow's game against Butler? I feel a lot better if they'd beaten St. John's, but other than that, I mean, what can you really what can you really do without? I mean, I that that sounds a bit weird because the obvious thing you could do is make a few of those two point shots that they just can't make around the rim and a couple of those in each of these games, and we're talking about potentially two wins last week. Um, so, I mean, other than that, like you said, book night out, that's always going to be a big hurt. Noah Cook, no Jackson. We're still waiting to see Andre Jackson, and 
hopefully we get to see him soon. There was supposed to be, or we're hoping for an update on him soon. But right now they're basically rolling an eight-man rotation. It's very difficult. Um, obviously, going to Creighton was always going to be a difficult game, but you know, for it's amazing for as ugly as they played against Creighton at times, they were still like they still managed to find a way to be in that game for a while. Even though, even if it didn't feel like it, they a couple of possessions go one way or the other, and you're looking at it, you know, this being much like the game that went to overtime. So I mean, they're still they're still showing that they can fight without their best player, without another crucial big, and without a much hyped freshman. So I think there's reason for optimism about this team. This is going to be another tough week. Villanova is going to be a brutal game. So we'll just you know you just kind of hope to survive that one. But you know there's obvious question marks. That are that this team has. We knew that those were going to come up throughout the season. So, you know, I guess we just gotta see what's next. Yeah. So I think just like given the way this last like week and a half or two weeks has played out, it really well a proves just how valuable Book Knight was to this team. B. It's also just Andre Jackson's injury sucks. Because this would have been a perfect opportunity for him to really show, you know, why he's the hyped, you know, recruit he was. Like, you know, people talked about him like as a possible maybe one and done is too strong, but like as like a real impact player who could have made a big difference. And last year we saw James Booknight become that difference maker in the second half of the season when, you know, uh, Polly goes down. And there's an opportunity. And what do you know? It turns out the super talented, hyped freshman is really good. And that could have been Andre's opportunity right then. And you you have to imagine, like, what what would this where would this team be if Andre was playing and developing and, you know, generally speaking, being good these past two weeks? You know, what do you I mean, it's kind of just like it's a hypothetical at this point, but like it. It feels like that's is almost as big a deal as Book Knight being out, as Andre is not taking advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And when you ask that, yeah, maybe as a hypothetical, but I thought of an answer real quick. We'd be seeing a guy, a, a guard who loves going to the rim and a guy who's not afraid to get hit as he goes to the rim. And that's how much of, are we going to talk about, even with just these two games, about the game being won and lost at the rim. Like, those, like... They're, hor- they're horrendous team shooting inside the three-point arc. They're not a great team shooting from the three-point arc either. But a guy like Jackson loves to, you know, he loves to play kind of like Book Knight in that way. Where he, he can go to the rim and he's not afraid. And, you know, we, we know that he was a highlight reel before he came to UConn. So we know he's got that in his game. And if they had him available to, you know, to develop that part of his game as a key player with Book Knight out, you know, what could have been happening these last couple of weeks. Yeah. And just like, I, I don't have the number in front of me, but the Yukon's two point percentage right now is just abysmal. It's the worst in the conference and it's a real problem. And it makes yep. you wonder if Andre's out there, you know, dunks are very high percentage shots as in, unless you really like mess up really badly, y- y- you're pretty much making all the dunks that you're, you're like getting right. So a guy like Andre Jackson is not the sort of guy who's like, 
you know, I'm going to just dunk it because I'm cool, but I can't really do it. And I'm going to get rejected by the rim. You know, when that dude dunks, it's going to happen. And that ball is going through the net. And UConn could use a guy who just goes to the rim and is just like, no, this ball is going down and none of y'all are going to stop me. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then, you know, actually, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go, sorry. sorry, I was just going to say, and you know, UConn's offense is like, it's been seriously like the clogged toilet offense at times. So having a guy like Andre out there would make a, a world of difference if he just goes in there and be like, no, no, no. We're, this, this like drought is ending right now. Yeah. And it's so frustrating because, you know, we look at it and we're like, hey, this is one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. And the other side of that is, hey, this team misses a lot of shots. So, of course, they're going to get a lot of offensive rebounds. But then they are horrendous at putting those rebounds, taking those rebounds and turning them into points. Um, and we just, you didn't have the numbers in front of you, but I actually looked this up the other day. There are only, so UConn ranks 275th in the nation in two-point field goal percentage at 46.1. First of all, not hitting above 50% of your shots from inside the arc, that should just be like bare minimum. Um, there are only three power conference teams that have a worse percentage inside the arc. They're Washington State, they are West Virginia, and they're Oregon State. Now, West Virginia, solid team. The other two, not so much. Either way, they need to be doing a lot better. They've got some big, strong dudes who are grabbing these offensive rebounds. Isaiah Whaley, Tyrese Martin, Adama Sunogo, who has been a bright spot this week, but they are not turning them into second chance, third chance points, and or even getting to the line. So they need to do a lot better with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I think we'll start to see some improvement. And just certainly, you know, once Andre or Book Knight are certainly both of them, once those guys are back, that problem will, you know, it, it will, we'll see improvement. Um, but yeah. the guys who are out there right now, I mean, you, you just can't be missing bunnies like that. It's it's just not acceptable. So, you know, but they know that. they'll They'll work on it. So, you know, Andre... We hope that he'll be back soon. I certainly we can't make any predictions, but it does seem the, the it certainly sounds like he's getting close. And boy, they could use him this week because uh, you know it's weird. Like UConn's had these like weeks where they play one game, take a week off, play one game, take a week off. They got three in the next like five days. You got Butler, Villanova, and St. John's between now and Sunday. So I don't know. I don't know if we'll see Andre for Butler tomorrow, but I would really, really hope that we can at the very least see him for St. John's on Sunday. And I mean, Villanova on Thursday feels kind of soon, but like, I don't know. They circle. They could sure use him. That that's uh, yeah, that's going to be tough. Uh, you mentioned Sonogo, and uh, boy, has he been? He's he's been a just a revelation the last couple of days. Uh, except for the weird like turning the ball over five times a game thing. Other than yeah. that, you know, he's like looked super smooth. And what I what stuck out to me was against Creighton, they really started running the offense through him. Like in like the second half, yeah. like every other possession was just like, all right, here, just throw the ball into Sonogo, and either he'll put up a hook shot or pass it out or do something. But it, he had the ball a lot. Um, certainly want to see more of that because uh, against St. John's, he was playing really well, and then he just inexplicably sat for like the last twelve minutes of the game. Um, yeah, geez. So you know with. So- I- Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I, I hated Hurley's excuse. Um, the the whole size thing. You know, St. John's went small, so we couldn't play Sonogo. Okay, well, you are, even without Book Knight, you are the better team. You are at home, at, for whatever being at home means right now. 
and you make them make them adjust. You know, if you've got a size if you've got a size advantage with Sonogo, you know, I'm no basketball coach, so maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but it just seems obvious that if you can outsize them with Sonogo and you can get him down low and you can just clog up the lane on defense, then you know, why wouldn't you want that? Like he was clearly one of the hot hands, probably the hot hand, and all of a sudden he just he has this opportunity to really break out in that game, and then when they need him most, he's not there, and naturally you give away the lead late in the game, and then you can't come back. So, you know, it just makes no sense not to have him out there, you know, unless there's something that wasn't obvious to any of us, but I just felt like that that excuse really didn't line up. Yeah, it, it, that was pretty lame, but... I, I, I do want to try to at the very least give uh, give Hurley some of the benefit of the doubt because he's obviously he's a great coach and you and I are well we, we watch a lot of basketball <laughs> so he yeah. it, it was frustrating uh, for sure and I do feel like we saw an adjustment because he played a lot against Creighton and sure maybe the matchups were different because Creighton usually has at least one big on the court but you know he was not only was he out there but he was the focal point and that was a uh, you know, that that's just something you want to see. Like, you know, Sonogo and Jackson are like two of like the building blocks, excuse me, the building blocks of this program. And uh, if no, nothing else, uh, Sonogo seems to be taking advantage of his opportunities. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see how it goes. But before we look ahead, I guess, you know, because I, I feel like we should, probably shouldn't be dwelling too much on the past. But any other thoughts on these past uh, two games uh, before we look ahead? Um, again, the defense kept them in these games. You know, there were there may have been some down points throughout, but that defense is really turning into something special. And I think, you know, other than the foul trouble that we saw against Creighton, I thought that that was a really bright spot this week. You know, if you know Hurley Hurley made the point that if the you know they didn't have any chance of winning a game that got out of the sixties against Creighton, when all things considered, after that game, but. They sure as hell made Creighton work to get it out of the 60s. And so without Book Knight, without a cook, you know, that's that's a really good thing to see. Yeah, it's the defense has looked awesome, but we do have to just also point out Creighton and St. John's both scored 74 points. So, yeah. you know, the defense certainly is passing the eye test, but in, there needs to be more consistency or something. I don't know, like... Maybe we'll, we'll hopefully we'll see it. Butler. I feel like Butler at home is a really good palate cleanser because, uh, you know, we already saw them pl- like this same UConn team without Andre, without a cook, without uh, without book night. You know, UConn pretty easily took care of Butler on the road the, a couple of weeks ago or whatever it was. So hopefully whatever work they've been putting in in practice will will pay off, get a get a win tomorrow and then. We'll see how things go from there. Actually, before we look too far ahead, too, uh, I also want to give a shout out to RJ Cole. We've been waiting for him to improve his offense and just generally kind of get better on that side of the ball. And, you know, we're, we're starting to see some results. He was the leading scorer of the last two games. He had 18 against St. John's and 14 against Creighton. So, you know, I, I feel like there's still room for improvement, but like that's definitely more like where we'd want to see Cole, like somewhere in the mid-teens, you know, every every time out. And uh, his defense against Zagorowski was fantastic again the other day too. Uh, definitely, you know, for for as, as much as you can hold down a guy like that, he he did it great uh, once again. Um, Absolutely. So he was four for seven for three uh, against St. John's, mm. which was very nice to see. 
of course, that was paired with two of nine from inside the arc. And then in the Creighton game, four of seven inside the arc, 0 for 3 from 3. So, I mean, he's getting he's getting there and hopefully can be that that second, if it's between him and Martin and even Sonogo for that second scoring option behind Booknight, to have that option is fantastic. So hopefully it's just more consistent. Hopefully he keeps that up and that'll be huge going forward. Yeah, well, considering how at the beginning of the season it was basically just like, okay, he can't hit threes and he can't hit twos. Well, at least now if he's doing one or the other really, you know, consistently, it's progress. <laughs> we certainly, yeah. <laughs> you know, eventually we want to see him kind of just being efficient at, you know, all the shots he's taking. But, you know, prog- I just have one more thing that stood out really quick before we move on. Sure. Um, Tyler Polly was only one for 10 from three in these two games, which seems like unbelievable. I mean. <laughs> I don't think I don't remember the last time Tyler Tyler Polly only hit one of ten threes at any stretch in his UConn career, so you know that that I don't I don't know what to make of that. It was just something that really stood out. Every time he took one, it just felt like it was way off. I think what what I make of that is that the opposing coaches watched film of the Marquette and Butler games and were like, <laughs> "All right, well, um, let's not do that. Let's try literally yeah. some anything else." And yep, uh, good you know, point. Paul, look, Polly Paul is a streaky player, so you know it was kind of inevitable that if he just went nuclear for two games the way he did, you you're in a, inevitably going to see some regression. So yeah. hopefully he's got that out of his system. Well, all along I've been thinking like, look, if we can consistently get like ten or twelve points a game out of Polly, then that's a good thing. And obviously, if he decides to just completely go crazy like he did against Marquette and Butler and that for that week. Then you know, well, if, that, if he does that, then like UConn can probably survive uh, without Booknight for as long as Tyler can stay hot. So, yeah, we'll we'll just have to see. So, um, let's look ahead. Uh, so, like we kind of discussed on the the standings, UConn has a big stretch coming up. So UConn is currently four and three in the conference, and the you know other than Villanova, the three teams ahead of them in the standings, uh, you know Creighton, Seton Hall, and Xavier are all either tied or kind of, you know, Xavier's weird. They're three and two. So everyone's kind of in a jumble, you know, within one or two losses of each other. And everybody's played different games. So the wins are what they are. And uh, everybody else is below. So UConn has an opportunity. If they can win these games, they can assert themselves and kind of reestablish themselves closer to the top of the conference. But there's a risk here, too, because if you don't beat Butler and St. John's, you know, Villanova, if they beat Villanova, then we're, we're going to be having a very different conversation next week. <laughs> uh, but, you know, certainly you have to beat Butler. You have to beat St. John's. So let's say if they do that and, you know, you know, I'm not going to count on anything against Villanova. They would end the week at six and four. And, you know, that'd be a pretty good spot to be. If they lose either of those games, now they're looking like they could probably be five and five or worse. And that, now we got problems because then, you know, then you, you, who the heck knows? They could be like, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth in the conference if that happens. So, um, you know, this is a, this is huge, basically. So for, as far as we'll start with Butler, we've now seen Butler once. I don't find them to be that impressive. What do we need to see UConn do to make sure that they cut this crap out and actually and get a win tomorrow? Uh, they just need to go back to what they did so well against Butler and DePaul the week before. Um, the, it, look, honestly, I think it's really 
a lot can be fixed by just making a couple more shots. And I know that's a really simple thing to say, but you know, how, how did those games change last week? If they just make a couple more shots and against Butler, they should really have an opportunity to do that. Even if they don't have their, their star guy out there, they, you know, they're going to have opportunities to score plenty of points. And Butler is not exactly a great offensive team. Not even close, really. They're like, they're sub 200, I think, when it comes to effective field goal percentage. And that's not really to say that UConn's great because I'm pretty sure they're a better shooting team than, uh, than UConn still in uh, regard. But the the defense is good enough where that it's not going to be an issue against Butler, I don't think. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, we should probably also make a point mentioning that uh, Butler has been playing quite well lately. Uh, they are on a two-game winning streak, and that includes an overtime win over Creighton, which is probably the biggest WTF win of the season within the Big East so yeah. far. Uh, and That's then true. last time out, they played last Tuesday and they pretty handily beat DePaul. So, you know, take that for what it is. But still, you know, DePaul is playing well. So, you know, UConn can't really afford to lay an egg against them, I guess. Uh, so anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead, continue with what you were saying. No, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, these are two games that you really you have to win against Butler and St. John's and then. You know, Villanova is just kind of a free space. If it happens, great. If not, then it's not the end of the world. And once that Villanova game's over, you've got three of your four hardest games out of the way with a lot of the season left to play, or a decent amount at least. So there, there are going to be plenty of opportunities for wins going forward. And, you know, UConn's in a tough spot right now, obviously. We've talked about the injuries a lot. Hurley just said on Monday that, you know, they're, they're practicing with nine guys right now. And, you know, for a team that claims to have such intense practices, that's really not ideal. And um, obviously not a lot of practice time this coming week when you're playing every other day for the most part. So um, it's going to be a difficult week. I think this could be even more difficult than last week, just in terms of, you know, the fact that it is such a cluttered schedule and you do have that big game right in the middle there and you're playing without three key players, potentially key players. So I'm not going to call Jackson one yet, but he, it would be really nice to have him back. So, I mean, I don't really know. I think that these are two games that they absolutely have to win, two games they should, and then if whatever happens against Villanova. So we'll see. Yeah, so with Villanova, we should probably kind of dive into them too. So they are currently ranked number three in the country. Uh, they are 5-0 and in the conference, 10-1 and overall. And uh, they had a hell of a, hell of a month uh, for, you know, just – like what was it two three consecutive covid pauses or something they went like straight up literally a month without playing and so we wondered well what's how are they going to look their first game back was the last tuesday against seton hall and they won that game 76 74 a pretty pretty exciting game good you know good win for them and then on saturday they put providence in the trash they beat them 71 56 and that was sort of like okay yeah villanova is ready they're they're ready to go so um you know, UConn will have their hands full with them. Uh, Colin Gillespie has just uh, looked great in the, since they got back. 22 points against Seton Hall, and uh, he had 15 against uh, Providence. And, you know, just that team is just really good. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson yeah. Earl has been just terrific. And they're just not really – there's just no weaknesses on that team. I, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to that game because just 
because they were out so long, like I feel like I've seen a lot of the Big East teams play a lot so far, but I really haven't gotten to watch Villanova, like not with any consistency. So, you know, I just got to say, we just got to hope for the best because, I mean, boy, if they win that game, that would just be a game changer and a half. Uh, so, Yeah, that could turn the whole, uh, like you said, we'd be having a very different conversation next week if they get that win against Villanova. Um, yeah, I mean, if they can just, because now you've been swept by Creighton. And we talked before the season about how you want to try to at least get one of those four games. So here you've got two opportunities against Villanova. If they can get them, if they can get one, then they're looking really good as potentially top three in this conference, all things considered, which would be, if they finish top three in this, I mean, top three, four in this conference, all things considered, that's really a strong return, I think, given oh, everything that's happened. Absolutely. I mean, for God's sakes, they barely finished fifth in the American last year. Like, and yeah. here we, now it, it's, yeah, it's, this season so far has been definitely a big improvement, but you know, it's also this just, man, like if it wasn't for this damn pandemic and, you know, like book night's injury was so such a freak thing. Like who, like yeah. what, like who does that happen to? Like just ugh. very frustrating. I think you just said something. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I just, I was just l- lamenting. Sorry. You can go, go ahead. Yeah. No, I just, you just said something that really hasn't clicked with me as much as it should have this season so far about how this team finished fifth in the American. And now we're talking about, you know, trying to finish top four or whatever in the Big East in the very next season with the injuries that they've had and still having that opportunity. You know, granted last week was tough, but that's that's awesome. Like, just compared to where we were at this point, like, compared to where we were at mentally last year to, to where things are now and – it's just another indication of you know the upward trajectory. All like again, all things considered, this last week was tough. the The St. John's game made me really mad. The Creighton game, I just kind of shrugged. But it's still exciting because we couldn't have these conversations not too long ago. You know, we were this was a team coming off three straight losing seasons in the American, and now here we are. And it's just it's great to be like that again. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really um, good to be really mad about a game yeah, <laughs> like I, for um, good reasons. I was, yeah. I mean, after the, both of the St. John's and the Creighton games, I was just like, Oh, I was, I was, I was genuinely like ruined my day. And yeah. it felt kind of good to be that mad about UConn basketball because for so many years we were just numb. Like, Oh great. Like UConn just got blown the F out by Houston. Great. I guess I'll go about my business or whatever. Now it's like, yeah, Oh, like they, they should have had them, you know, like if this had gone differently or that or whatever. So, you know, um, looking a little kind of big picture now, I believe, what is it? Is it 13 or 14 games that, uh, a team needs to make, uh, make their minimum in order to be tournament eligible. I think it's because oh, you, really it's one of those and UConn's coming up on it. And if they play all their games this yeah. week, I think then I think third, I think it's 13. 13. And yeah, so if they get through this week and play all their games, then UConn will officially be NCAA tournament eligible, which is obviously like a a pretty big deal, just given kind of, I mean, we didn't know how this was all going to go. It's certainly hasn't gone that smoothly, but even still that that's a a big milestone. And then I I just kind of also looking at the way the schedule breaks down. So you have three games this week and then you have a week off and then you got Seton Hall on Saturday, February 6th. 
So I don't know if we'll have Book Knight back for Seton Hall, but I feel like there's a decent chance that um, Jackson will be. And I think a Cook probably too, because what was up with him? He had like a shin injury or something, right? Bruce Shin, I think, okay. was, the, was uh, what I saw today from Gavin Keefe. Got it. So uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll, a Cook should hopefully at least be available by then if he's not sooner. So, you know, and then that's like going to be a fascinating stretch because then you've got, you know, this week is like, UConn needs to take care of business against Butler and St. John's and hopefully get something good against Villanova. Then the next like two weeks of the schedule are really crucial because then you got this Seton Hall, Providence, Xavier, Providence, Villanova. That's a big, that's, that is the season right there. I mean, you, you win those games, you, you win like go three and two on that stretch or four and one, then UConn is in business. Like they're a hundred percent, like definitely finishing top four in the conference. If that, if that happens, and, um, you know, I, I and honestly, also another thing too, Xavier was supposed to be played last week and that game got postponed. And I don't, I don't believe it has been, there's a makeup date yet. So we could see Xavier a second time somewhere in that stretch too, or I don't know, they'll figure that out. Um, by the way, I think they dodged a big time bullet by having Xavier moved. Cause I don't know how they would have looked in that game. Yeah. Oh man. That would have been rough. That schedule is pretty after, uh, from seeing Hall on, it's, pretty tight they're playing every three or four days so i wonder if someone might try to squeeze that xavier game in even in that week between st john's and seton hall we'll have to see um that's a possibility i guess i don't know what xavier's schedule looks like but uh yeah i wouldn't mind yeah i wouldn't mind them trying to push that one as late as possible though because uh i i yeah, don't very true. i i think so you know we're gonna we'll have to have captain xavier on again what before whenever the first time they play him is but uh Xavier is good. I, I actually yeah. honestly respect the hell out of Xavier. I do not want UConn to play them without James Booknight if they can avoid it. So yeah, very true. Yeah. So anyway, you know, Seton. So I'm. This will probably be a topic of conversation for later in the year. But Seton Hall, Providence, and Xavier are three teams I am fascinated to see how UConn looks against because it has felt like feast or famine, right? Like so far, UConn yeah. has played the dregs of the conference and Creighton. So right. What, what, also how good are how good is UConn really like do we we you know if it's hard to tell because like I really wish they'd have played Providence or Seton Hall at least once because then we know we would know okay we know that UConn is better than Providence or we know that UConn is better than Seton Hall or if they had lost those games then we'd be like uh-oh <laughs> like, like we're we're probably gonna finish like fifth or something so it's just it's still it's weird that we're like this late into the season and we just have no idea yeah, absolutely. I mean, those were, I think those are the teams too that we talked about as like, you know, if UConn's on that tier two line in this conference, there's probably four or five teams there. And those are the teams that were mentioned alongside. And I think we had Marquette in there and Marquette's kind of the fringe of that. So we've had like right up to that line before, oh, sorry, before we get into the really tough stuff and you know, that's, this is going to be a really interesting stretch to see just how they stack up because, you know, prop, like you said, Providence really good, even um, even if they're behind Seton Hall and Xavier, and those games are going to all be, you know, those rock fights that we love talking about when it comes to the Big East. Yeah, gotta, gotta, can't wait for the hot sauce, huh? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, my cat was trying to get the hot sauce. Ooh, okay. Well, let's not have that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah. So, I this this is gonna be an interesting month. I'm so excited though. Like, it's 
you know, there's so much unknown, but like there is also a UConn, this UConn team has such a high ceiling because this UConn team we've been watching the last two weeks is like, like UConn minus, I don't know. It's like slash like a third of their ceiling, like off the top. And what do you got? Like, this is like, this is like not even really UConn right now. And there's some, they're still at least mildly competitive, even if they look dreadful doing it. So, you know, I guess it's just like as, as fans and just as just people following this team, there's like gotta be like a sense of excitement knowing that, okay, you know, if UConn gets to the tournament and if everything goes well, we might hopefully get to see this team finally reach its potential. Finally, just in the nick of time, you know, what will this team look like with a healthy James Booknight, a healthy Akuka Cook, and you know freshmen like uh, Adama Snogo and Andre Jackson playing at their potential. You know Tyrese Martin fully integrated in the system. R.J. Cole uh, like adjusted to high level Big East basketball, and you know hopefully you know guys like Jalen Gaffney finally kind of figuring just how to be useful to whatever role they need to play. I mean, could you God, like, isn't that exciting? Like, I just, I really hope we get to see that team and, you know, it just makes me hopeful, but also frustrated because we're not seeing yeah. that team right now. And it's still going to be some time before we do. And it's kind of a race against the clock because you need a version of that team to realistically beat teams like Seton Hall and Providence and Xavier. And if we don't get that team, then that five game stretch I mentioned has the potential to be uh, super problematic. Yeah, Absolutely. Like, I think right now this team is pretty safely in the tournament. Um, but that comes with the caveat of they still have to play those games in that tough stretch, potentially without Book Knight. And if they if they slip up a bunch there, you're looking at a team that's probably sitting somewhere on the bubble, possibly on the wrong side of it. Yeah. Well, you know what? I guess it's great that we are discussing that as a possibility, like where, oh, if they slip up and lose these games, they'll probably be on the bubble. Whereas if last year, if UConn was in exactly the situation it's in right now, they would be not, they wouldn't even be in the field. No. So good for us. <laughs> I'm very happy. Yeah. I may not sound it all the time, but I'm happy. Tim, yeah. Tim, an, an optimistic? Who would have, who would have imagined? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, oh, um, yeah, so I don't know, I guess, uh, I feel like that's we probably don't need to really beat on that uh, subject too much more. I don't know anything else you got. I figure this is kind of a fairly straightforward episode. Any anything other other topics you want to discuss? Um, not particularly. I'm just excited for all my throwback stuff to come in that I've ordered the last week or so. So that's exciting. Those jerseys that they wore against St. John's were fantastic. That's what I'll. That's what I'll say. Yeah, man. I uh, yeah, I love those things. I, I <laughs> every time they break out the throwbacks, I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. So yeah. unfortunately, yeah. I hopefully you know hopefully the uh, the marketing guys aren't like, okay, well they just lost to St. John's wearing these, so we're gonna put these on mothballs for like five more years to you know oh, fumigate no. them. It's like no 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 no. We we'll, we'll yeah. we we forgive these jerseys. It's not their fault. It is what it is. So um, things worked out well in those jerseys last time. It's cool. It's yeah, fun. yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. So, uh, you know, for all you guys out there who uh, took advantage of the home field, uh, sad dog joggers, good for you. I did not because I'm poor. So, <laughs> uh, you know, so hopefully, hopefully it's comfy and you guys all enjoy it. Um, you know, I got my, uh, I got my, my home field, a sad dog, uh, baseball tee at least. So I'll be looking good for whatever whenever I decide to wear that. 
Um, and yeah, we know we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about next week. So we got uh, Butler, Villanova and St. John's. And by this time next week, we'll have a great, a great idea of where UConn stands and hopefully it's in a better place than they are now. So Tim, uh, I don't know. Any last thoughts for the people? Um, not really. Just always a pleasure to be back and, uh, to talk about this new, uh, this new age of UConn basketball. That's somewhat exciting. albeit after a few losses. Yeah. Well, should be good. All right. Well, I'm going to go downstairs <laughs> and take a big old swig of some dragon's blood elixir. And, uh, for all you guys out there, uh, thanks again for listening. You guys know the drill. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. DMs are open. And uh, email at yesyukonpodcast at gmail.com. You know, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts helps us out a lot. And, uh, yeah, we'll call it a day. And you guys all have a good one. Thanks, Tim. And uh, thank you all for listening.